0: Let us pray. So even now, Father, we pray that you would come among us by your Spirit. Strengthen us, renew us, and give us your eyes and your heart for the world around us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated. If you can move after coming in from outside, that is. So I want to begin today by just thanking Ethan. Um, he's been coming up while David's on his maternity leave to serve us. served at the funeral yesterday, but the other thing is, he's way past the window, so no need to fear. But Ethan's voice is still recovering from COVID, and he had a pretty nasty sore throat, and he um, he sang and led yesterday for Steve Bauman's funeral, and again this morning, so thank you, Ethan. I know your voice is getting a workout. And we did have a good time in the Lord's presence yesterday here as we honored our brother Steve Bauman and God's wonderful work in his life. And just was a wonderful time of rejoicing at the homegoing of our brother. So thank you all for your prayers and support to Steve's family. It's also good to see Father Mark Brown and his wife Chris here. They were here for the funeral yesterday. And I encourage all of you to make a point to greet them. They're going to be slipping out after the service and heading back to Western Pennsylvania, but it's so good to see you, always good to see you all here. So we are continuing today in our study from the book of Ephesians, and today's reading in chapter 4 really pulls together everything in Ephesians chapter 4 up to this point. It weaves the purpose of everything St. Paul has said into one complete picture, kind of like a beautiful tapestry that's woven together This is what Paul does in these verses. Everything that's said now comes together as this beautiful tapestry and gives us a full picture of God's heart and intent here. I'm going to back up as I did last week and reference some verses in the earlier part of Ephesians chapter four. So please keep your Bibles open or your device on. Turn to scripture, not to Facebook, not to um, analysis of the games coming up this afternoon, but to scripture. Um, as we look at Ephesians 4 and verse 3, we see that we are called to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And in God's unifying purpose, we see that Paul emphasizes that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism in verse 4. We see why Jesus has given, us, given grace to each of us in verse 7 and why he has placed gifts in the church by equipping some to serve and function as apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers in verse 11. And here in verses 12 and 13, the purpose for all this becomes clear. St. Paul pulls all of this together. Look at verses 12 and 13 with me. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Of Christ. This is God's unifying purpose. The purpose is to prepare God's people. And even, yes, while God has gifted some members of the body to function in specific ministries, such as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they don't shoulder the work alone. Yes, each of these persons ministers according to giftedness, God's gifting but so do all of the rest of us. Did you hear that? So do all of the rest of us. Because God has given each of us who knows Christ's spiritual gifts and who is responsible due to the work of the ministry. Look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Each of us who knows Christ is to serve, to do the work of the ministry according to the gifts that God has placed in us. God has set people in various roles of leadership and authority, such as pastors and elders and bishops and others, to lead and ensure order in the local church. But the work of the ministry is all of ours, brothers and sisters, all of ours, mine and yours, to do together. God has given grace, his grace, to every single one of us. Remember what verse 8 of Ephesians 4 tells us. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. It's kind of the picture of a puzzle we talked about a number of weeks ago, like a great jigsaw puzzle, and you have every little piece But when all of the pieces, all of us with our gifting comes together, it makes a beautiful picture for the glory of God. Each of us who knows Christ has a place. Each of you, each of you who knows Christ has a place of ministry in this local body. And Christ brings us together in his God-breathed unity. And when he does that, and as he does that, he receives the glory And what does he do in and through us? What specific results of serving does St. Paul identify that God works in us? Well, there are three that we see in verse 13. First, Christ builds up his body, the church. He builds us up individually. He builds us up corporately. He builds us up together. And he builds us by bringing in people through new salvations and reaching people at their point of need, both spiritual and physical. And he adds by his power and his grace working through us. He adds to our number. He adds to his church, which Christ continues to build. The second thing, Christ grows us in unity in our faith and in the knowledge of the son of God. We're going to talk about maturity next. That'll be my third point. But I want to state it clearly. There is no healthy expression of godly maturity without godly unity. Did you hear that? There is no healthy expression of godly maturity without godly unity. Unity in our faith, which is in Christ, which brings us back really to where we started because all of this is only possible in and through Jesus and through us knowing him intimately. And we all need each other. We need to work together as one unified body. You know, I think of a, of a tree. And you have a tree that bears fruit. But maturity of tree requires that every part is healthy. I remember a number of years ago, um, God bless him. He's with the Lord now. And my dad had a big maple tree in the backyard, garden. He didn't like some of the roots sticking up. And now maple trees have a lot of roots. But I said, Dad, if you cut out all those roots, that tree's going to die. And that tree is still at my parents' house. It was planted when I was three years old. But I got to tell you, that Norway maple is just dying section by section because you chopped out every root that you could see on the surface. You need the roots. But if you, you can kill a tree very easily. If you go right around the bark at some level and cut a complete circumference and penetrate the bark, that tree will die because the nourishment that the upper branches and the leaves need doesn't flow anymore. And if you defoliate a tree um, more than once a couple years in a row, it doesn't matter how big that tree is, if you if you defoliate it, or all the leaves are eaten away or, or come off prematurely, that tree will die. That tree needs every part, roots, bark, inner trunk, branches, leaves, all functioning. The body of Christ needs every single one of us functioning in unity together for one whole to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, to grow in our faith, to be what Christ is calling us to be as his people. And then third, Christ grows us and we become spiritually mature. God's purpose in all of this is that we become mature. And a mature church is made up of people who together press in to know Jesus and his heart and his will more, who are steady and stable in their trust in the Lord. What are some marks of Christian maturity? Consistency in our walk, pressing in, times of prayer, times in God's word. Stability, not jumping around from one thing to another, not jumping around from church to church to church to the place of what's happening now. Not running on feelings, but having a godly, disciplined life. That means that there are some times as a Christian that even when we don't feel like doing something, we don't feel like praying. We don't feel like spending time in God's presence. We don't feel like coming to church. You do it because it's a godly discipline and you know it's the right thing to do. And that is not legalism. Instead, that is not yielding to the flesh and feelings. Another mark of maturity is not insisting on having it our way. That personal agendas are put aside for the greater glory of God and the good of the whole body. Because mature Christians and mature churches see the big picture. And they see things through the eyes and the heart of God. Even like we talked about last Sunday with radical compassion and radical hospitality. We see people. We see the world around us. We see God's heart for the kingdom. And we're not here building 250 different little kingdoms. And asserting 250 different little human agendas. But one church under one head. Citizens in one kingdom. And what is God's unifying purpose? To prepare us for works of service, for his glory, to build up his church in the fullness of Christ, our king. Coracle, which is a ministry here in our diocese, um, directed by the Reverend Bill Haley, who is also my spiritual director. Coracle's spiritual or mission statement is this, spiritual formation for kingdom action. And that's it. We grow, we are formed in Christ, but not just to percolate it in ourselves for God's kingdom action. So we have God's unifying purpose. Secondly, we have God's unifying protection. When we are anchored in Christ and unified in him and growing in God's plan and purposes, there is great protection that, you know, there is great protection in being in God's will as individuals. As a church, there is tremendous, incredible, supernatural, divinely ordained protection and being in God's will. Look at verse 14. As soon as I get there, sorry. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Infants. Persons who have not grown to maturity lack a thorough understanding of the truth. They lack good discernment because the truth is not adequately integrated into their lives. Brothers and sisters, spiritual maturity, God's unifying protection, doesn't just come by accumulating facts and information and knowledge in our head. That information that God gives us, the truth that God gives us from his word... The voice of his spirit always leads to a lived reality, a lived reality of God's truth, fully integrated into our lives and who we are. But the spiritually immature, those who are not growing in God's plan and purposes, they lack insight, they lack spiritual perception. And what happens? they, we, become vulnerable, pushed around by waves and every wind of doctrine. And we see this a lot of times because people start running on feelings and emotions and making decisions that aren't in line with God's word. I remember sitting in a prayer group one time many years ago and a lady announced, God's told me to leave my husband. She had no biblical grounds for that. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. God is not going to tell you something that is contrary to what his word says. Nope. God's told me someone being pushed around by every wind of doctrine, running on feelings and emotions that aren't anchored in the truth. You know, when it comes to doctrine and the truth of God, what we believe brothers and sisters really does matter. It troubles me. And I'm not speaking about any particular church. When you go to a church's website And you can't find a link anywhere to what they believe. Because that's more than just a little bit important. And this business about, if you believe in Jesus and I believe in Jesus, everything's good. That doesn't cut it. Muslims believe in Jesus. Lots of apostates and heretics believe in Jesus. It's not simply believing in Jesus, whatever that means to somebody. But it's believing the right things about Jesus. What scripture says about Jesus as the eternal son of God. And what the church has understood and taught from its earliest days about who Christ is. And too often people start following someone in erroneous doctrine or erroneous teaching. Because someone is an incredibly persuasive or compelling speaker. And I think you know what I'm talking about. And they can draw people in. It's like, wow, he or she, they're such a good speaker. They said such good things. But you got to stop. And if you peel back the layers sometimes, you realize they said a whole lot of nothing. Or you were entertained but what they said really had nothing to do with the eternal truth of God's word about the Christian faith. We need to be more like the Bereans in Acts 17. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They even examined what St. Paul said. They examine the scriptures daily and scripture describes them as being of noble character because of that. God's spirit, the spirit of God who lives inside of every one of us as a believer, indeed is a guide. He gives us his wisdom to discern and his wisdom when the spirit of God is speaking to us will always line up with the truth. And God has given us a brain, a mind to use. That's why historically in the Anglican tradition, we've always used scripture, reason, tradition, and then I would say John Wesley added experience. But it wasn't as if scripture, reason, tradition, and experience all were equal. It's more like if you can picture a three-legged stool and you have scripture as the foundation, that three-legged stool sits on top of scripture so our experience Our our reason, our tradition, our experience are based on the foundation of God's word and are measured by that. Experience alone does not equal God's word. Tradition does not equal God's word. Reason does not equal God's word, but they need to be filtered and interpreted and understood through the eternal unchanging truth of God's word. God's given us brains to use. As one of my seminary professors said, just because you get baptized on the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you cut the top of your head off and let your brains fall out on the floor. And Jesus addresses this head on too in in Matthew chapter seven, beginning with verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. God calls us to maturity, to be stable, to be unshaken, unmovable on the one sure foundation, our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we are unified in, when we are unified in Christ, there is wonderful, blessed, God-given protection. So we've looked at God's unifying purpose, God's unifying protection. Finally, in verses 15 through 16, we read about God's unifying plan. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's that look like? Well, first and foremost, it is saturated with and reflects God's love truth that is fully the truth can be spoken without love but that doesn't honor or reflect Christ there is a time and a place for directness but no place for pride or boasting or mean spiritedness. rather a love that grows from an honest assessment of who I am and who you are a sinner saved by grace Pat Kelly, who is with the Lord now, was an outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles and then later for the Cleveland Indians. And when he was a baseball player, he had a profound conversion to the Lord. I don't know if any of you ever hear Pat Kelly speak. He had a large ministry up in the Baltimore area. Heard Pat speak a number of times, but he would always begin, I was a hell-deserving sinner. And God transformed my life. On well, side note, he always told the funny but tragic story, too. You know, after he came to the Lord, he was walking with Earl Weaver. You remember Earl Weaver, the longtime manager, that always used to kick dirt on umpires' feet all the time and all those shenanigans. And he said to Earl one time, who was, Earl was an agnostic. And he said to Earl, you know, Earl, it is a wonderful thing to walk with the Lord. And Earl Weaver looked at him and said, Pat, that's all great, but I'd rather see you walk with the bases loaded. We can speak truth and not compromise and even be really direct at times, but it always needs to be with grace and love and an honest assessment of self. An honest assessment of self that reminds us of God's grace that we've received. God's grace then will fill us with mercy and compassion, even as we talked about last week. So we reach out to people and we see them as Christ sees them, as people that he died for. And we find that we're growing up. We're maturing in Christ as a church. We grow and mature as individuals. As we grow individually, we grow in unity. As we're really growing in Christ individually, we will grow in unity as a body and build each other up in a way that honors Christ as each one of us serves in the place that God has gifted and called us to in this body for Christ's glory and honor. God's unifying purpose, God's unifying protection, and God's plan, which doesn't stop with us. It starts here with us and then goes out to all the world. Let us pray. Father, thank you that your heart's desire and plan for your people is unity. Walking in one spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, which we have received and dwells in each of us. Walking in unity because, God, we're living and walking and growing in greater union with you. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you afresh for your plan, your purposes. Use us by your grace. Stir up your gifts and fruit in your people, that together we may be ministers that glorify you, and honor you, and out of our walk with you, reach this world for Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.